Once it's explained that a publicly owned, not-for-profit internet utility is an option, people's eyes light up. This is episode 334 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Internet access in Portland, Oregon isn't as good as it could be. For years, the city and various citizens groups have grappled with ways to improve connectivity. This week's guests are Russell Sr. and Michael Hanna. They're involved in the Municipal Broadband Coalition of America. The nonprofit organization is working on the Municipal Broadband PDX Project, an initiative to develop publicly owned broadband infrastructure in Portland and across Multnomah County. Christopher, Russell, and Michael spend some time discussing past efforts, including Russell's work with the Personal Telco Project. Michael and Russell describe the way the Municipal Broadband PDX Project moved from a centralized Portland initiative to a broader county-wide project. They also discuss how they're organizing a large number of people across the county and in the metro area, and the possible tensions that might arise as they move forward. Russell and Michael offer tips for others and share their visions of success for the Municipal Broadband PDX project. Now here's Christopher with Russell Sr. and Michael Hanna discussing the Portland and Multnomah County, Oregon Municipal Broadband PDX initiative. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in Minneapolis. We have a fresh little blanket of snow on the ground. Uh, But today I'm talking to folks where I suspect the weather's a bit nicer. Uh, Russell Sr., the president of the Personal Telco Project and a member of the board of the Municipal Broadband Coalition of America. Welcome to the show. Thanks. And we also have Michael Hanna, a data engineer at Multnomah County IT, and at, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, and spends his nights also on the board of Municipal Broadband Coalition of America. Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having us on. Russell, you and I go go back quite a ways. Uh, Michael, we met when I was in uh, Portland recently, Portland, Oregon, which has um, which is the focus of a project of the Municipal Broadband Coalition of America. But let me ask, um, so let me ask Russell. Let me ask you first to tell me a little bit about Municipal Broadband PDX, and then I'll ask Michael to tell us more about the coalition more largely. So, Russell, what's happening in Portland? Municipal Broadband PDX is an effort to get a uh, publicly owned uh, telecommunication utility started in the Portland area. This is something, you know, we've been thinking about here for quite a while. The city of Portland did a feasibility study back in 2007, and uh, for a a cavalcade of reasons that never uh, quite got traction, basically uh, kind of initiated uh, by the the recent FCC actions with the rescinding of the the net neutrality rules. Uh, It was injected with a lot of new energy. And uh, so a new effort kind of got launched to get get something moving again. Right. There's a proud history throughout uh, Portland's history of uh, of fighting for a better Internet, uh, back to the Brand X decision and, and even before then. Right. Yeah, we had the the fight for open access when uh, the cable uh, utility here started offering Internet back in the late 1990s. Following on that, there was um, the effort with uh, the city of Portland in uh, in about uh, 2006-07 or so. Uh, the group that I was involved in at that time was, uh, well, I'm still involved with that, was the Personal Telco Project, which just had its, its uh, 18th birthday, which is a... Um, we basically build uh, 
free public access Wi-Fi networks in the Portland area. But we really started out as an effort to um, uh, build alternative infrastructure to uh, sort of route around what we saw as uh, you know dysfunctional uh, uh, telecommunications options in the in the area. Right, I saw that on Twitter, and, and happy birthday to the Personal Telco Project. Um, Thank you. So, Michael, tell us a little bit more about the organization that is uh, kind of really organizing this effort in, in the Portland region. The Municipal Broadband Coalition of America, uh, we formed it as a 501c4 organization, so we can do uh, political advocacy. And uh, the, the purpose was our first campaign is focused on the Portland metro area, as, as Russell mentioned. But in the the broader purpose of our nonprofit is to create templates or, you know, an open source, um, you know, uh, toolkit, uh, you know, you know, kind of a lot of different ways we could call it. But the, the fundamental idea is to um, make it easier for other grassroots organizations or uh, elected officials in other jurisdictions to move forward with a municipal broadband project themselves. You know, so rather than creating something from whole cloth each time, you know, can we create some templates and some patterns, design patterns, if if you're thinking in the software uh, world, um, to be able to do this, um, you know, in a more turnkey fashion in other jurisdictions. Great. And both of you have uh, a fair amount of technical expertise. Now, Michael, you've been with Multnomah County in IT for a while. And, and Russell, I forget what you um, what your background is, but you're you're quite technical as well, right? I I'm ba- I call myself a Linux nerd. <laughs> <laughs> With Personal Telco Project, I spend most of my time building router firmware. Okay, so uh, that, that is we, more technical a, than <laughs> I put you in the top one percent. We have a kit of, of software that we uh, we install on our our networks, so I I spend most of my time doing that. I would say that. Uh, I, I jokingly call myself a data geek, and so you know, not as much on the hardware side, but uh, definitely I've been uh, working with data my entire uh, you know IT career, technology career. But in uh, for about a decade now, I've been involved in local political campaigns um, outside of work, and uh, one of them was a successful effort to secure permanent stable funding for the Multnomah County Library System. Uh, which is the has the second highest circulation in the United States after New York library system. And so um, my uh, day job versus, you know, uh, outside work volunteer efforts is, uh, you know, it's a mix of day job being much more technical and data driven and then the non-work, you know, kind of volunteer efforts are all around political organizing and trying to move, um, you know, innovative things forward in the Portland metro area. I think that political organizing experience really showed up in the launch event for Municipal Broadband PDX. And I'm wondering if um, maybe you can just briefly describe the video that we will have on our page um, uh, that you did for the launch and, and what role it plays in terms of driving enthusiasm for your effort. So we developed this, uh, this short uh, video. Um, it's, you know, the theme is basically... Uh, the, the, the people rising up um, against the, the evil telcos, you know, the, there's kind of an opening scene of, of uh, men in suits with, uh, you know, cash flying everywhere um, and the logos of the large telcos like Comcast, CenturyLink, etc. And, um, and basically, uh, you know, ordinary people turned uh, superheroes to rise up and fight back. 
is kind of the theme. But it, it really gets to the core of, of how we're trying to organize the community around this, which is that, uh, you know, whether you're a resident or, or you're a business owner, um, there's, there's broad dissatisfaction with the high cost and uh, uh, crappy service of provided by the monopolistic telcos, and um, and you know there's just a lot of interest among among uh, people, ordinary people, you know, to have something different. And and they know once once it's explained that uh, a publicly owned not-for-profit internet utility is an option, um, people's eyes light up. They go, wow, you know, a lot of them never even imagined that something like that would be possible. Right. I think, uh, you know, a little bit of, of background. I mean, Russell's not the only uh, Linux hacker out there. There's uh, um, a very high proportion of, uh, or a high number of people, at least in, in the Portland region, who work for high-tech companies. Uh, and yet you, you're mostly stuck with CenturyLink, uh, which has a DSL and a mix of fiber to the home in some places, and then, you know, Comcast, uh, you know, for the rest of them. And, and you don't really have a lot of other options for what I, what I can tell. Is, is that right, Russell? Going back to the early days of, of the internet here, uh, you know, we had we we had many many dial-up ISP options. Uh, you know, there was probably a hundred in the Portland area, and then in the early days of DSL, there was open access on on DSL, and you had a, a broad range of options. You know, this was all before um, cable came along. You had many, many options to choose from, which meant you could shop for price or you could shop for terms of service. And it was it was actually kind of wonderful from a market point of view. And then cable came along. And of course, uh, the phone company was not investing in infrastructure. The uh, the access to DSL was a little wobbly. There's a lot large sections of Portland that could not get DSL at all and had did not have that that option, uh, you know, from a market point of view. And increasingly, your only option was the, uh, the cable company if you needed viable uh, bandwidth. As things progressed, we had Google, who was quite interested in um, deploying here for uh, two or three years. It looked like, totally looked like they were going to come build here. And, uh, and then, you know, two or three years ago, they just pulled the plug on that. And uh, but the one nice thing about that is they they finally got CenturyLink off off the dime and they CenturyLink started deploying fiber. They're a kind of a horrible company to deal with. You know, we've sort of evolved into a, a, a duopoly, but they they don't really they don't compete against each other on price very much. And they're they're both kind of horrible to deal with. Yeah. On that note, I'll just note that we finally received a power supply for a phone. We we wrote about this saga back on <laughs> Halloween. It took, I think it took on the order of four to six months. And we talked to between 10 and 15 CenturyLink employees. In the end, we actually just kept doing it to see if we would ever actually get the power supply for the phone that they forgot to send us. Um, so. Yeah. So yeah, they I, I, seem to, I mean, for either in- intentionally or unintentionally, they seem to have uh, serious internal communication problems. So the salespeople will tell you one thing, and the building people will tell you a completely different thing. 
So one of the things that's interesting about your effort is that right away you were looking at an area outside of just Portland, though. I mean, in Portland, pretty much anyone who has the money uh, can uh, get broadband, I would guess. But you have um, people that are a part of this effort for the municipal broadband PDX that are living in parts of Multnomah County that do not have any broadband at any price, I think. Is that that right, Michael? Uh, Yes. So within the Portland metro area, there's three uh, primary counties. Um, Multnomah County is, is the one, obviously, where I live and work and Russell as well. Um, but then there's Clackamas County and Washington County. Then there's cities and unincorporated areas within those three counties. And uh, you're, you're right. Very early on, um, I reached out to a contact out in East Multnomah County, which is outside of the city of Portland city limits, and, um, and found that, that the, the situation for people living outside of the Portland um, city core is even worse. And so that really shifted our thinking to be much more focused on countywide so that we could address the, the gaps um, in the, these, these outlying areas. And how is that going? I mean, have you, in terms of the organizing principle, you're you're well aware that we, the largest municipal network um, that we have in existence in Chattanooga would be, I think, less than half of the population that you're talking about. So this is this is something wholly different. How is the effort going to organize on such a large basis? So, yeah, interestingly, uh, we had, uh, you know, much more interest, you know, kind of um, we, we started our effort um, right after uh, the repeal of, of net neutrality last year uh, by focusing on city of Portland elected officials and, and really thinking that. But very quickly that pivoted to Multnomah County uh, government and then the East County cities. And uh, Multnomah County uh, jumped on board and, and allocated funds uh, for the feasibility study you know, very quickly. And then we got the four East County cities um, to join as well. And so, yeah, what, what's interesting is that it's actually uh, everything other than the city of Portland um, who has really jumped on board. And in, in Washington County, where the city of Hillsborough is, city of Hillsborough has already moved forward um, and is already laying fiber cables for their broadband network, missile broadband network. There's discussions underway with city of Beaverton and, Clark- and Washington County Similarly, in Clackamas County, there's efforts efforts underway. Um, there's discussions in, in city of Milwaukee, which is in Clackamas County. So it's uh, really uh, most areas in the Portland metro region um, are either, you know, exploring this, thinking about it, or have already kind of committed to move forward. Um, really, the one outlier is the city of Portland, and that's where we've focused um all of our recent lobbying and, and organizing efforts is to uh, get the city of Portland to agree to fund their portion of the feasibility study so that we can move forward. And is there a, a deadline on that? We submitted a grant proposal for the, to the city of Portland. It's called the Special Appropriations Grant. It's a pool of money. And they've told us uh, that in January we will hear something. Um, you know, we'll get a response of whether our grant has been approved or not. The grant is the most straightforward way to get the funds. Um, there are other ways to get funds from the city of Portland, but that's the most straightforward way. So we're we're focusing our efforts on securing that so that the rest of the jurisdictions can move forward. 
Let's talk about how you're organizing. And and Russell, I'm curious because this has been something that I think has been a, a dream for you. You've recognized the potential that that uh, that this could do for digital divide, for for entrepreneurs, for all the benefits that uh, a well-run municipal network can bring to a community. Um, how are you organizing this time um, in order to try to make it happen? In the Pacific Northwest, we have a uh, large p- uh, public utility called uh, the Bonneville Power Administration, which is back from the, the same era as the Tennessee Valley Authority. Uh, FDR basically um, built a bunch of uh, large uh, federal hydro projects on the, the main stem of the Columbia River and then marketed power to the region to provide very low cost uh, hydropower, which has had, you know, what I like to call immense economic benefits to the entire region. Also, I think it helped to win World War II, so the world is thankful for that. Absolutely. <laughs> when I was growing up as a, a young person, my father worked for the Bonneville Power Administration. I was sort of well aware of uh, the existence of that and its, uh, its impact, become well-educated in all the benefits of that. In fact, I grew up in a house that was uh, built with all electric heat because, uh, you know, electricity was uh, so cheap here. Uh, you know, people quibble sometimes about the, the prices, uh, but they, A, they, they actually get a pretty sweet deal. The water is excellent. And so uh, I approached all of this knowing that there were, uh, you know, there was a publicly owned utility model that could d- deliver these kinds of services. And, uh, and what I saw in uh, telecommunications, I got a modem, you know, back in 1986 or 87 or something, and was communicating with people on on the internet all the time. I was watching computing capacities shoot upwards, you know, at Moore's Law rates, and I saw telecommunications not growing very fast. And uh, I saw that problem, and I saw the, the solutions that public utilities could provide. So I've, I've been a big advocate for saying, hey, look, people, uh, here's a model that can do, actually deliver the services that you want on much, much better terms and in and, and a way that really focus on the needs of the user rather than, um, you know, just you as a resource to be uh, exploited by uh, the big companies who just have you over a barrel. Sure. That's where where my um, energy comes from is seeing the gap between what could be and what is. So, so that's that gives you uh, energy and, and vision. How are you going to achieve the vision? I've been engaged with the city of Portland on and off for you know uh, pretty much the entire time I've been involved with the personal telco project. There has been uh, the bureaucracy in in the city of Portland actually recognizes this problem uh, pretty clearly and has been uh, an advocate over the years for doing something. And the issue has been very much that the, the, the city council has been skeptical about it. Going back to the, the 2007 era, basically we kind of got, there was, some, there was a lot of internal energy uh, in the city of Portland and they got this feasibility study going and it got to city council. And uh, for a bunch of reasons, um, mostly uh, some fear about uh, the risks involved, uh, they'd kind of pulled the plug on it. And the person who was overseeing it at the time uh, kind of had cold feet and 
he felt like he spent a lot of effort on this and it didn't like seem like it it was somewhere that he wanted to go and uh and that's kind of put the damper on the enthusiasm inside city hall and uh so our efforts have been focused on letting the public know that this is an option that they can consider and that this is actually might be very much in their interest to pursue you know in the midst of many many other uh issues that the city is facing primarily homelessness to kind of get their attention and and say hey this is something that can uh generate large benefits for all of your constituents and by the way uh you know your internal operation and that this is something that worthy of uh making a uh initially a very small investment in doing a feasibility study uh, our organizing efforts have been around mobilizing the public to let the city uh, council know that we need the city council to come up with some money to help fund the feasibility studies. We managed to get Multnomah County initially willing to spend a little money, and they uh, allocated some money. And but it, it's that money is insufficient to cover the, the cost of the feasibility study. So we need the participation of the various constituent cities. In terms of Multnomah County, one of the core reasons that Multnomah County recognize the value of this relates back to Multnomah County's core mission. Um, in addition to the library, our, Multnomah County's core mission is being the safety net for our community and, and really providing services that uh, for the neediest in our community. And so we know, because we're part of this digital inclusion network also with the city of Portland, um, that knows the data where 30% of Latinx households lack broadband access in Multnomah County. And I believe 25% of African-American households, 28% um, of households uh, uh, over, over age 65 um, lack broadband. We know that there are these huge gaps um, in terms of you know, certain demographics uh, in Multnomah County that do not have access to broadband, which, it, which is a core equity issue. It, it really hinders their ability to participate in society fully. Um, and then if we look at, at uh, households with students, you know, that's just a whole nother level uh, with, the, with the homework gap and the inability to, um, to access, you know, have online access. Um, so, so for Multnomah County, immediately the, the primary driver was that municipal broadband aligns with our mission as a county around serving the neediest in our community and really bridging the digital divide and, and addressing that directly. And so that was, that was the core reason of why Multnomah County um, jumped in to lead on this issue. And similarly with East County, the cities, uh, some of the lowest income neighborhoods in the entire state of Oregon are in East Multnomah County. And so again, you know, there, there's these low income households, there's this gap, and that's really what's driving a lot of this. And it's also part of the organizing where we reached out to community organizations who uh, focus on the focus on those populations and addressing the needs of those populations, and really so that they're they're partners with us in in moving this forward. Um, and I do think that's really one of the unique things about what we're doing here uh, in the Portland metro area is um, not just looking from a technology lens or a market lens, but also really including this equity and inclusion lens, so that um, you know we're we're really sticking. Our values are 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 core to to this to this effort from day one. And so, with that in mind, Michael, what is success? Because you know, 
Although I have to say, I'm, I was very impressed with the with the launch party and the number of with the amount of support, both in, in the number of people and and the way that those people represented um, different interest groups and in, in parts of the community. Um, it seems unlikely that you know, three or four years from now that Multnomah County would be able to build a, a fiber to connect everyone's home, you know, immediately, which I think would kind of be the dream goal. But um, what is a, what is a, what success, you know, in, in terms of a realistic approach for uh, a community the size of Multnomah and given the resistance of Portland historically? In the short term, the success is, is getting the, the remaining funding for the feasibility study and getting that underway. Because, because you know, as, as we know, you know, something of this scale, um, we really need to, to crunch the numbers and do a hard look at the technical, um, economic, and other aspects of municipal projects. So that's really core. In the short term, you know, we just have to get that underway. But in the medium term, you know, we, we want to continue to organize, continue to build, build a very broad coalition um, because once the feasibility study comes back, the results come back, and you know if there is a viable path forward, we still need to have either the elected officials agreeing to move forward um, or some sort of ballot measure. So you know either way, there's kind of a political aspect to this. One of the things you touched on is is the time frame and the build out. Um, you know that that there's definitely going to be a tension between those who want this as quickly as possible and those who want to do this in a, a more measured, um, gradual approach. So, for example, the city of Hillsborough uh, has decided that they're going to build out their network um, over a 10-year period. Um, and that's a very conservative, gradual, um, lower-risk approach. For Multnomah County, you know, until we get the feasibility study back, it's really hard to say. Um, but a lot of people have been thinking more along the five-year build-out. Um, but I think no matter what, there's going to be this balance between, you know, building out in a timely manner because there's high demand, you know, for residents and businesses. Um, and then, you know, just doing it in a measured approach. You know, if, if ultimately it's going to cost in the hundreds of millions of dollars, um, we do want to do it in phases so that we're learning iteratively, iteratively uh, through each phase and, um, and reducing the risks. Russell, do you want to add any additional uh, goals? Over the summer, I, I was traveling and, and visited some uh, existing uh, municipal fiber projects, one of which was uh, in Longmont, Colorado, and I had a, a nice conversation with them. So just the, some of the practical issues is that, you know, they they had designed their rollout in a way that, you know, stepped their way around their geographic footprint. One of their challenges was the demand for the service that they were providing was not not uh, nicely focused in the areas that they were just starting to build on. Everybody wanted it at the same time. So there's certainly there are tensions there because there are people that will be very excited about getting access. A lot of people, some people who uh, who don't quite understand what it is we're doing because it, it completely breaks the mold of what they've been trained to uh, to understand what was possible, you know, in America. Just just another note about that is that um, uh, our campaign here in Portland Metro has been picked as one of Neighborly's uh, 18 um, broadband accelerator cities around the country. Um, one of the efforts is around uh, marketing and educating the public and possibly doing uh, pre-signups of residents and businesses to demonstrate the demand. 
and I and I think you know just kind of uh, piggybacking on what uh, what Russell was just saying is that um, I think you know there's there's this tension between the residents and then and then the elected officials. I think if we can really demonstrate broad interest and and excitement around it, I think that will accelerate the build out. And City of Hillsborough said the same thing. You know, they they have their kind of 10-year very conservative build out plan. But if residents and businesses really want to step up and, and you know, demand uh, that that speed up, then, you know, it can be a partnership. And, that, and that's really what I'm hoping, you know, from my grassroots organizer, you know, hat on is, is really developing um, enough uh, grassroots push um, to kind of hold the elected officials, you know, the government agencies, you know, feet to the fire and really, you know, accelerate this you know, reasonably. Obviously, we want we don't want to do it recklessly, but we want to do it. Um, you know, that balances those those tensions. I think that's really a key point um, that, that some people miss in terms of the promise of the incremental effort is that um, it can create political will that was not there before and lead to a much more rapid uh, build out than one may have thought in year one uh, when you're getting started. And that, that also depends on cities making sure that they're doing it right, you know, executing it well, because if you start to stumble and make mistakes and, and don't correct them quickly, um, then political support can evaporate. And, and so that's the problem. But I, I think that those are some good things that other people should be keeping in mind when they're thinking about this in their own communities. What other things should people keep in mind when they're trying to build an organizing campaign uh, like you doing here in the Portland area? We're trying to learn from um, other efforts in, in other cities for municipal broadband. And one of the reasons that efforts stalled in other cities was that it was often driven by um, an enthusiastic, uh, you know, elected official or, you know, government um, uh, bureaucrat of some, some kind and didn't have the corresponding grassroots coalition to support it. And so if that person left, let's say they were voted out of office or they left the, the jurisdiction, um, then, then the, the effort could, you know, quickly could fall apart. Um, and so I think learning from that, um, I think that, that building as broad of a coalition as possible, you know, that, that is really separate from the elected officials or any one administration or any one, you know, set of bureaucrats is really key. And so that's where we, we've got uh, unions have endorsed this. We have hundreds of businesses that have endorsed it. We have um, community organizations that have endorsed it. Um, and I think really trying to build that broad coalition is key. So that's definitely something I would say. And I think secondarily um, is that for groups, grassroots groups uh, to be really clear about what their asks are gonna be of the elected officials before they approach the elected official. So, so if the ask is, we want you to allocate funds for a feasibility study, for example, then you know just be really clear about what are you asking um, the elected officials. Because when you go meet with elected officials, you're lobbying them. Um, you need to be succinct and clear about what you're asking them to do. Michael, you glossed over something that I think some people will be interested in. You know, you just sort of candidly mentioned, oh, we've got a bunch of businesses and unions that have supported it. Um, can you just give us a sense of, of how you do that? I mean, did you show up in the union hall or, you know, go just walking into businesses and talk to them about it? Like, how did you, um, you know, go about getting that interest um, and demonstrating it? Because I've been involved in a lot of other 
political campaigns, um, I already had a lot of connections with with unions. And so, so for example, AFSCME, which is the uh, American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees, you know, I've already worked with them for, for many, many years. Um, similarly with IBEW, electrical workers. So, so I had connections, but, but ultimately it really was getting on their agenda, going to their meeting and making an ask. Um, and the way that we did it was we, we did kind of first round was uh, we explained what this campaign was and what municipal broadband was. Um, and asked for their support, their endorsement. And then we came back uh, a, a month or two later and then asked for some funding um, to help support the campaign. Um, so there, there was that. And then with the businesses, um, a lot of it has, uh, we did some uh, canvassing, like you would do canvassing of, of residents' homes. We did some canvassing of businesses, um, you know, literally going in to talk to managers and owners of businesses and found a lot of support. Um, and just, just from the minimal amount of canvassing we did, we found a lot of support. And with businesses, it, there's many reasons for them to support this. At a very direct way, it would be you know, likely lower cost, much uh, better service than their, what, what they're receiving today. But there is, among the local businesses for sure, there is also this sense of civic um, duty or civic engagement. And so, um, they really also resonate with the the values and vision of, of what this could do in terms of of equity and bridging bridging the digital divide. So I think you know it's a relatively uh, easy ask uh, for businesses, um, and then I think community organizations similarly it just aligns with their existing mission. You know, so so I think a lot of community organizations already have within their their mission of bridging the digital divide. And so when we when I reached out to them, you know, similarly to unions, just going to one of their meetings um, and say, hey, this is municipal broadband. This is how it could work. And this is how it aligns with um, what you value and what you want to see in the community. And let me ask a, a similar question for you, Russell, but I'll rephrase it um, in the in the Linux world. Uh, you know, what would you put in your how to or uh, you got any tips and tricks for us? One thing I want to just uh, add on frosting on what Michael just said. There are two uh, large organizations in, in the Portland metro area and, of course, across the country that have been doing marketing for this project for, you know, for decades, and that's Comcast and CenturyLink in the way that they treat this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've been saying for years to people that there are gas fumes everywhere, uh, that people are, are starving for an, an alternative an option that really kind of serves their needs. And, uh, you know, because of the abuse that's been heaped upon them by the, the uh, telcos, uh, that's there. And all somebody needs to do is show them that there's an alternative, that it will be better and it will uh, make their lives fulfilled and, and in a way that uh, feels much better about how they're participating you know, as effectively as an owner of the infrastructure that's, that's serving their needs, just like for streets and the water system and the sewer system and a bunch of other things that, that are intended to serve their needs and not just generate profit for somebody far, far away. So I think that uh, atmosphere is, is here, and it's our job to um, exploit that, to take advantage of that latent feelings that people have and show them a path that can 
can uh, take them to where they want to go. Well, I think that's a good way to, to wrap it up. Thank you both for coming on, and thank you especially for your organizing efforts in the Portland area. I think um, you know, in 10 years, we could see a tremendous number of municipal broadband connections throughout um, the, the tri-county region, I guess. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yep, that's the goal, and, and nationwide. That was Christopher with Russell Sr. and Michael Hanna on the Municipal Broadband PDX Initiative. Be sure to check out their website, municipalbroadbandpdx.org, for details. They also have a Facebook presence and are on Twitter so you can follow their progress. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. Don't miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. And while you're there, please take a moment to donate. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 334 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. (laughs) 